Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands. We got some shout in us tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. He's worthy. What would we have done without him this year? He's been all of that. Everything that song says, he's been all of that. How many of you have seen him as your deliverer this year? How many of you have seen him as your healer this year? He's brought you through some things this year. How many of you were wondering at some point, how was God going to meet that financial need? And look what he did. Hallelujah. God's so faithful. He's so good. We're feeding on the faithfulness of the Lord. We're feeding on the faithfulness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. (laughs) You know, uh, if you need to go down memory lane just for a moment to remember where you were before you met Jesus. You know, some of us, we like to put on that professional praise when we come into the house of the Lord. You know that little token shot we do when the worship team says, now let's really give them the highest praise, and you go, hallelujah, you know, you know, one of those things. But if you can just think back just a little while, just a little bit, where were you when things weren't right? Where were you when you, there was no way out? Can you remember that road you were on that was leading you down a path that would bring destruction? The wrong relationship. Oh, when you think about what he's done. When you think about. I don't know about you, but I got a memory. I got a memory. David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and... You know, when was the last time you blessed the Lord with all that was... I mean, come on. When was the last time you actually praised God with all that's within you? What would that even look like? If you actually went all the way in. Not one of the little token shouts. You actually went all the way in. Not one of those little token ones like, you know, because the preacher's wanting you to just get your praise on a little bit. Not one of those. But one of those, you can really remember where you were. Have you forgotten? Or can you remember? Can you remember all of his benefits? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, let's lift our hands one more time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's good. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. And he reigns in this place. Everyone say, he reigns. He reigns in this place. He reigns at my church. He reigns at my home. He reigns all through my life. God reigns. Hallelujah. Does he reign in your life? Glory to God. Hallelujah. I feel another wave of a shout coming on. I don't know. Just feel another wave. Just feel another wave. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I like where we're going. I like where we're going. I like where we're going. Because many of you have passed the test. 
That's all this was, was a test. Everyone say, it's been a test. It's a test of whether you're going to see God faithful in your life because you, re, you see him as being faithful and you put your trust in him. That's what it's all boiled down to is whose report will you believe? Do you believe the report of the Lord tonight? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, we're on the winning side. Yes. Hallelujah. Everyone say, we're on the winning side. Yes. You know, if you read the end of the book, like Pastor said, he's trying to get you all the way through the book because the, if you get all the way through the book, you'll find out we actually win. Yes. See, that, that's what happens when you get to the end of the book. Oh, we win. I get it. We win. Everyone say, we're a winner. 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 We were in Africa, and this uh, one brother was singing this song, I'm a, a winner, but he kept saying a wiener. His, his, accent, his accent kept saying, I'm a wiener. Everyone sing along, I'm a wiener. <laughs> well, it goes a little differently in our country. Uh, God bless you. You can be dis- not dismissed. You can be seated. <clears throat> we got a lot of things to say and do, and we're so glad to be with you. And uh, it's an honor. It's a privilege. And it's not just something preachers say. Uh, when, when, we, and when Andy and I have ever come to this church, we just really consider it uh, such a privilege because uh, we, we've got so much uh, respect and love and appreciation in our heart for Pastor Stephen and, and Pastor Gene. They are God's best. What can I say? I mean, you guys are extraordinarily blessed here. And I mean, if, if I wanted to, if I wanted to, I could do some serious name dropping on you. I mean, I could do a lot of name dropping. I mean, people that we've had dinners with. It's a long list. Andy and I, because of who we've been connected with and associated with and all the years with Brother Hagen, and all the countries we've been in, we have been so privileged to be with some of God's finest and generals in the body of Christ. Back room, round tables, going out to special dinners, sitting across from some of the most amazing men and women of God you have seen on television. And what I see in Pastor Gene and Pastor Stephen, they come, they come short and no good gift. And for God to consider you as someone that he says, I'm going to plant you here and I'm going to set you in this, this church, you all are highly favored of the Lord. I'm just saying and uh, I know if you've been at this church, you've heard all that you needed to hear to make it through in great style. You know, if you've been a part of this ministry, if you've been feeding on the word, and you've been hearing what has come up across this pulpit, then you must be amazing in God. You must be amazing. But then we know that that's not true for everyone. Some people didn't pass the test. We want to get everybody to pass the test. The test doesn't teach you anything. The test only reveals what you know or you don't know. Good night, everybody. (laughs) You know, people might have told you all your life, well, you know, that test taught me something. Uh, Well, it just taught you that you didn't know enough or you knew enough. At school, you don't take a test to teach you something. You only take a test after you've learned the subject. And so everything that comes across this pulpit is going to be on the test. 
you want to know what's coming, listen to the instructions behind the pulpit. Because it's going to be on the test. It's going to be on the test. And uh, my, 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 there's so much here on the table. Did you come ready to eat? Yes. Did the uh, tech department get that, that picture that we sent? Did they, they have it ready when we need it? All right. We'll see if we need that. We got, we got entertainment tonight. I mean, we, we got all, we got. Okay, they weren't supposed to put that up yet, but I, I was talking about it. Where's, where's my bottle of water? Did I put it on here? Um, last night, we had a service. And uh, I began to share right at the end of the service how the Lord woke me up a couple mornings last week and that scripture in Mark chapter 4 verse 24 says take heed what you hear for what measure you hear what measure you meet the word that's how it would be measured back to you and then it goes on to say for he that hears and for he that has more will be given and he that receives not or hears not or receives not it will be taken away you know it's the opposite of socialism you know, God's ways aren't like man's ways. If you don't do well with what God gives you, he's going to take it away and give it to someone who can actually use it. If you hear well, if you hear well, you receive the word of God, because, you know, the children of Israel didn't go into the land of promise because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. And so when I woke up, the Lord says, Take heed what you hear. And I knew it wasn't just for me. I knew because I had been stirring myself up and begin, beginning to look towards these meetings. And so the Lord knew I, I wanted to hear something for this time together. And so two mornings in a row, that same verse came. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Take heed. That means really pay attention to what you're hearing and how you hear it, and how you receive it. Because to him that is given, more will be given to him. So to the degree that you sharpen up your hearing will be the degree that you receive more, and then as you receive more, then you will be multiplied and more will come. Amen. Everyone say, I have ears to hear. I have ears to hear. Eyes to see. He has given you a seeing eye, and he has given you a hearing ear, Proverbs says. Everyone say, I'm seeing more clearly, and I'm hearing more clearly. I mentioned this last night in the service in Connecticut. A pastor brought his notepad to all the meals that we had, and every now and then he would start writing. And it's because he had told his congregation, he said, let's believe God that as a church, we're going to hear on a greater level than we've ever heard before. Now, you think, that what an interesting request or suggestion with all the things you could, you know, offer to people to, the thing is, people say, you know, I need, I need money. No, what you need is revelation. If you've got revelation, money comes. But I need money. No, you need Revelation. That's what you need. And so today, we were kind of having fun about this. It's amazing. 
what I'm about to show you, you kind of saw it on the screen, but I don't know if you, how many of you read what it said in the little caption? Did you see it, some of you? Some of you didn't. But this, we're coming into a new, but I want you to see, this, no, but before you see it, don't, don't put it up there yet. I was sitting in my bedroom this morning, just meditating, having a little coffee, and I, as I'm sitting there, it's 10.40 in the morning, and I'm thinking about this hearing, that we need to be better at hearing. And a missionary from Mexico, the director of all the Ramas and all the Rama churches and, and all of Mexico sent me a text. Now, usually we're sending each other some funny things. And uh, matter of fact, I showed it to Annie and she didn't get what it was that I was trying to tell her because she's just so used to me sending her silly, goofy things. She wasn't catching. The, I, I was all excited because this, I was having a spiritual moment. And I don't know if it'll hit, hit you like it did me, but go ahead and put up on the screen what this missionary sent me at 1040 when I was thinking about this. Happy new, what does it say? You know, I, I was at a meeting with Mark Duplantis, and he says he was talking to a, a group of people like we have here tonight saying, you know, we're going into this new year, and everyone wants to experience a great and new prosperous year. He says, in order to have a new year, you have to have a new you. What's going to create a new year that's in the direction of what you want to experience in God? It's going to require some new things in you. You know the definition of insanity, right? Okay. And so we don't want to just do, I mean, a lot of things are good that we've been practicing and doing. A lot of good things. I mean, if you've been a part of this church, there's a lot of good things you've put into practice, and how many of you can testify it's working for you? Amen. So uh, he sent me this picture, Happy New Year. I was thinking about that. Can you imagine the moment where uh, this servant of the, well, he, the high priest, so he's not one of the Roman soldiers, but he, he's, he's betrayed Jesus. And you can imagine, you know, when Peter took out his sword, he wasn't aiming for his ear. Peter was going for the head. I, I person, how many of you would go along with that? He, he's not aiming, you know, I'm just going to try to cut off the ear. I think he did one of those, what's that movie where, you know, they go, like, you know, the, one of those, what is it? Matrix. They have Matrix, remember, they shoot the bullet, and then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, they go like this, and slow-mo, and the bullet just goes, you know, if you can imagine Peter pulling out that sword, and, he goes to cut his head off, and, and, and this servant, you know, goes, whoa, like that, but he got an ear. And then the ear fell over next to the bush. You know, can you imagine the ear coming off, and it, it's rolling in the dirt? Now it's got dirt on the ear. And then Jesus would go, Peter, would you go get the ear? So Peter's over there, you know, he's looking under the bush, and, oh, there it is, and he's, like, brushing it off his pants, you know, trying to get all the, you know, sand off of his, his ear, you know. He goes, here you go, Jesus, I didn't want to give it back. And he's putting it, but the thing is that, that really caught my attention is Jesus is restoring this man's hearing. Restore, you, can, you can take this sign away. But God wants to restore some of your hearing. And we need to hear on a higher level. Can you say amen? Because uh, I, I was riding in my car the other day, a couple months ago. I, I had just been to a place of business, got my car, and I heard the Lord say something to me. And uh, it, it really, I knew it was the Lord. I don't know about you, but I can really tell when the Lord 
is specifically saying something that's important, and it's just not my own thinking. You know, it's like, it, it's him. It, he, he's wanting to say something. And so I'm in my car, and here, and here I, wrote, I went home and I wrote this down because the uh, Lord has seemingly had me share this at a number of places. I'm going to share it with you. Because uh, God really wants us to come up to another level this year. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm going I'm to say that one more time. God wants us to come up to another level. And uh, in order for us to, to do the things, you know, that prophecy from 1974, I've carried that in my Bible for just about 38 years, wouldn't you say? And I've preached on that prophecy and, and share it. And I, I don't know if uh, Pastor Gene heard me, but I was quoting it along while you were reading it. Could you hear me quote it? Both of us quote it because we, we've got it basically memorized. And I, I believe in that prophetic word. Mine is stained in yellow. It's folded. It's almost where it, I fold it. it it's, sh- it's almost shredded. It's got a little bit of holes in it. And it's got a lot of yellow just from the oil from my hands because I read it so often. And so I don't think it's by chance Pastor brought that out. But there's coming manifestations and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. And we have to be ready for it. Not just to watch it, but to participate. And to move with him and move with the flow and uh, encounter a fuller measure of what we were always designed to be. And uh, a friend of mine, Jim Hockaday, he's probably, I think he might have ministered here. Uh, we, we talk often. And he, he said, you know, right as we got into this whole corona business uh, thing, he said, you know what, the saddest thing about this whole thing is that the, the world did not turn to the church. Well, why would they? If there's no power in demonstration, why would the church even think about looking to the church as an answer to their situation of in fear of maybe getting the coronavirus? I was telling Pastor uh, a few weeks back, the Lord had me title a message that I ministered on, uh, who's the person behind the mask? Who's the man behind the mask? You know, you can wear your mask in fear, and you can wear your mask in faith. You know, the whole mask thing really perturbs me, to be honest with you, because your face is to show the glory of the Lord. Your face is supposed to show the glory of the Lord. The very pores of your face, you know, when Paul came to that man at Lystra and he said, perceiving he had faith to be healed. Well, you know, I'm looking at my brother here. He's finely dressed, you know. The only thing that's sticking out is his hands and his head. And so the only thing I could perceive that he has faith right now would be what's coming out of his eyes and what I see in his facial structures. What's it telling me? Paul said, I want to see your face because when I see your face, I may perfect that which is lacking in your faith. That's why you need a pastor, and that's why you need to be at church and not forsake the summing of yourselves together especially as we approach the coming of the Lord, which we're getting closer all the time, is because although you can see Joel Osteen's face on television, he can't see yours. And so when you come into the house of the Lord, you've got anointing looking at you. You've got office looking at you. You've got eyeballs looking in the eyeballs, and that's where ministry offices and gifts flow and communicate. And so that's why being here is so important. But there's something on your face. That's why 
Moses did not want to take the veil off his face, not for the people to see the glory, but for the people not to see when it was gone. See, your pores, your eyes, your face, your expression shows the presence of the Lord. It shows the glory of the Lord. And so, wouldn't it be just like the enemy to cover your face? Wouldn't it be just like the agenda of the enemy to put something on your face that makes you not want to communicate others to others God's goodness and his love and share the gospel with them? Because after all, if you've got to take the mask off to communicate, why bother? Like Annie was saying last night, what a, aren't you glad that you know, the prophetic word at last December at this time, the Lord didn't say, oh, by the way, this is going to be the weirdest year you have ever had. <laughs> you think you've seen weird? This is going to be the creepiest thing. You, I mean, it wouldn't be like fear not. It would be like get weirded out soon because it's happening. It's on. Aren't you glad we didn't get that prophetic word? It's amazing how there's been less, less prophecies about this year. I think some of the prophets have kind of kind of pulled back a little bit. It's like, well, maybe that last year didn't quite go exactly what we were thinking, you know? It's like, but the thing is, we have seen plenty. We have been feeding on the faithfulness of the Lord. We have put our trust in the Lord. Some of you, you might have come the closest to what the children of Israel went through the desert uh, in the Old Testament as much as you ever have. You remember you, you watched the... You know, the Ten Commandment movie, you know, when, the, when God separated the Red Sea. And can you imagine them walking through there and they're seeing some fish going by and, that, and, and, and they're just looking. At, you can imagine the things they're seeing in the water and, and, and the whole time they're going, look at what our deliverer is doing. If I have ever had that feeling in my life, Annie and I have felt that way this year. We're looking like, wow, that was happening. And look what he did over here. Wow, look at that. And look what he's doing for us here. Hallelujah. Feeding on his faithfulness. Are, are you all here to stay for a while? Because I, I want to get to some stuff, but th this is all just warm up, actually. Are, are you ready to really get into the cookie jar tonight? You want to get into the cookie jar where some really good stuff is? It's coming. God wants to help you tonight to know for sure how to activate the anointing on your life. I said, are you all hearing me? Testing one, two. I said, the Lord wants you to know how to activate the anointing on your life. And, and we're, we're going to see something probably you have never seen before. When you hear what I'm going to minister to you, you go, I knew that. Why did I not know that? You know what I'm saying? You have it already in here, but you're going to hear it and now you're going to see it. It's like at, at grade school. You ever have that a coloring book going through elementary school where they have all the dots and numbers, and you just got to keep connecting the dots? You go, oh, well, there's a bunny rabbit. Once you paint it, you know, you, know, you connect all the dots, and then you color it. Oh, it's a rabbit. Tonight you're going to see something. You're going to see something like you've never seen before. But I, I got in my car, and, um, and there, there's a reason why you, you, this is so important to me to impart to you is because the church isn't where... We think we are. Now, you know, the Bible talks about there in Mark chapter 4 that there's four different kinds of ground. 
and uh, it talks about the different things that affect those different grounds. And uh, most people would like to think they're the fourth group, the one that hears, receives, and doesn't let any of the cares of the world creep in and cause weeds to grow and choke out the word. We would all like to think we're that group. And you know what? This church may have more of those people in that group than many churches we go to. So that, that, that's good news. That was a compliment. <laughs> I can confidently say that. I believe that about this church. That there's more people in the fourth group, the fourth ground, than most of the churches we ever go to. Praise God. But there, there's some others that have been struggling. You know, I... I was talking, you know, we have other services other than the ones that you've been participating in. We, we have dinners together, and there's other Holy Ghost things that pop up. And so I was asking about someone. He goes, yeah, you prophesied to that person last time you were here about not disappointing your pastor. Well, then he disappointed the pastor in a great way, and now he's not even here. Pretty much any time I prophesied to, to someone about, you know, warning, it's almost inevitable it's going to happen. It shouldn't happen. God was trying to help somebody, but they just didn't have ears to hear, eyes to see. So I got in my car, and, the, and here's, uh, the Lord just spoke this up in my spirit. He says, most of the time, this is where a lot of people are, and I'd say there's a good am- amount of people like this. And, and, and when I say this, when you hear what, the Lord said about some people that are in this room, don't feel so bad about it. We're, we're here to help. Because some of the best ministers have, have come up short in what we're talking about. So listen to what I'm saying. Most of the time, people come to me, the Lord said, come into my presence with shame and regret for some sin in their life. The Lord said, What grieves me more and disappoints me more than sin, and I just threw this in there. I just wrote this down because I want to help you see dethrone sin a little bit. I wrote this down. I said, sin is a work of the flesh and not of the heart. When, When you do anything that's not of faith and anything that's not of love is sin. Isn't that what the Bible says? Anything that's not of faith, anything that's not of love is sin. But when you don't walk in the light, when you have light, that's sin. So not walking in the light, not walking in love, not walking in faith, anything that's not of faith, all of that's sin. But the thing is, sin doesn't separate you from God, but it can hinder your confidence in receiving from God. If you walk in the light as he's in the light, then you have confidence before God, if you walk in the light. So when people are more likely to yield to the flesh and your spirit is grieved. Then you come into the presence of the Lord and the Lord said, they come with regret and shame. A lot of believers are in this place and some here tonight. He said, what grieves me and disappoints me more than sin, it's a lack of awareness of who they are in me and who I am in them. He said, what grieves me more? He didn't say it didn't grieve him when you sin or you miss it. He didn't say he did. But what he said was, what grieves me more 
is their lack of awareness of who I am in them and who they are in me. Everyone say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. How many of you know the Bible says that 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says that you all have an anointing by the Holy One and you know all things. Everyone say, I have an anointing. I have an anointing. Say, the anointing is upon me. The anointing is upon say, the anointing is in me. Well, that anointing needs to be activated. But I have found out if people don't really see themselves the way he sees you in him, they'll never step out. They'll never be bold. All right? Uh, Brother David, could you come up here? Could you come up here and stand right here? I want to do a little demonstration here. I don't know if I've ever demonstrated this, but I, I want you to see something. And, and some of my demonstrations, they bring impartation, and it'll help you see uh, what the Lord's saying. So just stand right here, face the people. Now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to prophesy and, and uh, give a message of tongues and you're going to interpret everything for the rest of the service. No, I'm just kidding. I was just playing. <clears throat> I'm just playing. Just playing. You were about ready for that though, weren't you? You're ready, man. That's what I like about you. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then the next verse I love, it says, I do not frustrate the grace. Everyone say, I will not frustrate the grace. By not forgetting your past failures as of earlier today, last week, last month or any time of this year by not accepting like Annie ministered last night let this mind be in you which was also in Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God but came in likeness of man laid down his power as he was in deity and came in the likeness of man and he experienced everything you and I will ever go through so Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I live, but Christ now lives in me. Now what another translation says, Pastor may have shared this translation. It just can't get better than this translation. It says this, I now consider myself as having died, and now I'm enjoying a second existence, and that's Jesus using my body. So what that means is, when you accept Jesus, and let's go one step further, and when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus comes up to your earth suit, because you know, this is just the natural man. The real David is the spirit man, three-part being. He has a soul, mind, will, and emotions, but the real David is the spirit man inside of this earth suit that you and I see. When he said, I now consider myself as having died, and now, Paul said, now I'm in, enjoying a second existence, and that's Jesus now using my body. Jesus came up to your earth suit, and he unzipped your earth suit to the ground, and then Jesus did one of these numbers. 
And he stepped on the inside of you, and he did this right here. He zipped you up. He said, that was you, not too bad, because no longer it's you that lives. Now I'm living on the inside of you. You might as well just go ahead and consider that man as having died, and now you can use, enjoy a new existence, and that's I'm now using your body. I'm using your body. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you, whatever you put your hands to, wherever your feet trod, that's where I'm going. You want to possess the land? Just move around. Put your feet somewhere. Go ahead and declare a thing. Go ahead and declare a thing. Go ahead and claim a thing. Because I'm working on you. And when you speak the word of God, it's like I spoke the word of God. Thank you. Please don't forget what you just saw. Please don't forget what you... I employ you to don't ever lose that picture. Because if you don't and you get that branded in your spirit, they won't be able to silence you. Because righteousness needs a voice. Righteousness, it's time that righteousness speaks. Everyone else is out of the closet. You might as well be. Everybody is out. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is power unto me. Not that your faith should stand in the wisdom of men, but your Faith would stand in the power of God. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he left, he goes, listen, I got one more thing for you, and it's going to be a game changer for you. And see, I'm not going to dare think that you would do what I have done, what you've seen in me, but I have told you the works that I do, if you believe in me and, and the works that I do, shall you do also in greater works. Now listen, greater works is coming. That means a lot more because there's a lot more of you. And it's going to be better for you because when I go away, I'm not just going to be with you anymore. But just like you just saw, Brother David, I'm not going to just be with you. I'm moving in. I'm moving in. Say, he's moved in. And we say, he's moved in. He's on the inside of me. Come on. No one's holding you back from shouting tonight. Part of that mass business, it's caused the church to be quiet. Church, you got to rise up. Get your voice back. Get your shout back. Get your praise on. Realize who you are. Realize who he is. Realize we're on the winning team. Realize you are an overcomer. You're not just trying to cope through the problem. You're an overcomer in every situation. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Not sometimes, always. Listen, whether you have to wear a mask or not, take it off in your spirit. Because it's some of you have got your mask down on your spirit covering it up. Did I just say that? Okay, I thought I did. I, I've never said that before. Yeah, we, we see this as we travel. What we do as we travel, we, we just break up that stuff. How dare us to come in the house of God and not get our shout on. How dare us? You know, California. We don't want you to sing anymore in church. 
We don't want you to shout. Don't do any more shouting. Don't do any more praising. Don't do any more rejoicing. Don't do anything that might cause some spittle to come out. Last time I checked, when Jehoshaphat was against all these mighty armies, God said, okay, I got a plan for you. No, we're not going to get out of all the artillery. Uh, organize some families. Yeah, some of you that have some small kids. And I, I want to send you out on the hill. And what I'm going to have you, what the Lord said for me to tell you is I just want you to go out there and I just want you to praise the Lord. Families went up on the hill and they just began to praise God and magnify God. And when all the armies started showing up, instead of coming against God's people, these armies all devoured one another. You say, well, I'm doing pretty good. I don't really have any giants to slay right now, but the person sitting next to you might. And you might be like that person, like when Paul and Silas was in that midnight jail. And it's dark, and it's smelly, and it's wet, and, it's, and they're about to be crucified. And Paul and Silas just begin to lift their voice. They begin to magnify and rejoice and sing praise to the God. And all of a sudden, the power of God showed up. All of a sudden, God's glory manifested. And it says that the, the prison doors begin to shake. And that little lock that was trying to hold onto that door just couldn't hold on anymore. And all of a sudden, that door just busted loose. And it says not only did the, the prison doors uh, were released and opened up, but everyone, Paul and Silas's bands were loose, and everyone else's bands were loose. Not only did Paul and Silas get a breakthrough and a set and a setting free, but because of them being in the room with all the other people that needed a breakthrough, and come on now, you don't know who's sitting next to you. You don't know what they're going through sometimes. And that's why when we come together, that's why that pastor, his, his, his heart was yearning to see your face. Because he knows when you get in this place, not that you can't have a move of God at home, you know you, you can enter the presence of the Lord on your own. You know that. But you know what? If you can't praise God in here, you're not doing it at home. Oh, boy, I could, I could preach on that for a while. People go, I praise God at home. Not, not if you don't in here. The Lord, the Lord already told me very clearly you don't. I was standing up here in a service one time, and, and the Lord said, look around the auditorium. And I was looking around, and half the people weren't praising the Lord. He said, see these people not praising me? He goes, they don't praise me at home either. He says, and, and if they don't praise me at home, they don't praise me anywhere. And if, you, if they don't praise me anywhere, he said, they have little to almost no connection with me. So when I'm standing in a service and I see people with their mouths shut and they can't get their praise on and they can't remember what the Lord has done for them and how grateful we are to him who is the master of our lives, he's the author and the finisher. He doesn't want to just start this situation that we're in the middle of. He wants to get you in style all the way to the other side. He wants to make you an example that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath. You're going over, you're not going under. He's giving you the victory. But not if you're all quiet. If you can't shout in here, you're not shouting at home. You've got to find your shout again. If you got quiet in church, it's time to turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. Be the Pentecostals you know you are. <laughs> you know you're Pentecostals. What do Pentecostals do? Come on. Oh, glory to God. Oh, that sure is emotional. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't know where I've been through. You don't know what I've gone through. 
You don't, you don't know what things I've had to overcome. You don't know how good God's been. You don't know how faithful he's been. You don't know how, you don't know how, many, how many times he's had to bring you out. He had to bring you out again and again and again. He has brought you out. He's faithful. He's faithful. Someone needs to shout. Someone needs to find your shout tonight. He's that good. And he's going to continue to be good. He's not run out of blessings. His arm's not short. Go ahead and sit down. That was my introduction. Are you enjoying being here? Are you ready to go? I mean, we're not going to be here all night, but what are you going to do before midnight? Can you, are they even doing the ball this year? I don't even know. Really don't care. We might as well go out in style tonight. Hallelujah. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? You know, I pulled David up here. and Was it just a little over a year ago when you almost died, or is it two years ago? Just a little over a year. So according to the natural, you, you shouldn't even be here. Doesn't take you much to get excited about Jesus, does it? <laughs> Doesn't take much for him to get his praise on. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. You know there was a war in heaven. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. War broke out and Satan went against God and his angels. How many of you know that was a horrible plan for him? And so God sent Michael over to the devil. And I believe when Michael, the archangel, and he's a powerful angel, I, God didn't even do anything about Satan. He sent Michael. And I believe Michael did one of these numbers. Which one is he? Oh, there he is. I think he just, and the Bible says he shot out of heaven like a lightning bolt to the earth. And he became the God of this world. And aren't you glad you're in this world and you're not of it? How many of you know you have dual citizenship? You have a citizenship here while you're living and breathing in that body, but you also have a dual citizenship, and that is you've been risen together with Christ, and you sit in heavenly places in the spirit realm. You ought to be taking your seat of authority. Because whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Aren't you glad you have a choice in your life? You don't have to sit back and say, well, whatever the will of the Lord is. Well, in, we were talking about this at lunch. Uh, in God's sovereignty, he gave us his will. Here it is. If you want to know what the sovereignty will of, of God is, it's right here. Right here. And so if he's authorized you and you have a situation in your life, he's given you dominion. Can you say amen? So we see here where <clears throat> the devil was stupid once again. And then... We're seeing John having an open vision. And so in verse 10, John, seeing in the spirit, he sees you and I, and he says this. He says, then I heard a, a loud voice saying in heaven, now say of salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God both day and night has been cast down. Verse 11 is what we want to get to. It says, and they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb, everyone say the blood of the lamb, <clears throat> and by something else. That's the word of their testimony. 
word of their testimony. I've heard that scripture all my life. Turn over, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, you know how it's, it takes some time just digging a little bit deeper or going through certain experiences where God begins to speak to you. And like I said earlier, you start connecting some dots. So God wants to connect some dots on, uh, you know, this life of faith. Uh, what, what is this church name again? What is it? A life of faith Bible church. <clears throat> Everyone say life of faith. We ought to be so blessed and privileged to be a part of this <clears throat> company. You're part of a company. And it's a faith company. And you're a part of a major assignment. Paul said, well, got to read, start in verse 1. Just can't skip over that. And I, brother, when I came to you, did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring you the testimony of God. Everyone say, God has a testimony. <clears throat> How many know God has a track record? <clears throat> and he has a testimony. Now, because of what God has done, and he's done many things through Jesus for us, how many of you know that what God's testimony is becomes your testimony? Everyone say, God's testimony is my testimony. <clears throat> so Paul's still speaking here. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Now, verse 4 says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but my speech and my preaching is a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Everyone say, say this, my speech <clears throat> and my preaching is a demonstration and a manifestation. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith should be in the power of God. You know, it can be very costly not to have your faith in the power of God. In Second uh, Chronicles chapter 16, there's a, a king named Asa. And you can read it later, but there was a time where he had a horrible foot disease at the age of 39. And it says, because he did not consult with the Lord and he put his trust in the physician, he died at 40 or 41. So Asa, where he had known he should be putting his trust in the Lord, he didn't choose to put his trust in the Lord. He put his trust in man and the physician. When I was growing up, when I was about nine years old, <clears throat> I had the worst case of allergies and asthma a person could have. I had the inhaler. I had the Vicks Vapor Rub going on my chest nightly. And that's a fun way to sleep at night, let me just tell you. And, you know, just I had the worst allergies. I couldn't pet hairy dogs and cats. I couldn't have ice cream. I mean, no, that's a pretty much of a tragedy right there. Can't have ice cream as a, as a young little boy. Can't have ice cream. So I had special diets, special soaps. My skin would break out, couldn't breathe. Matter of fact, there were certain nights I would breathe all night like this. All night long. Many nights. And uh, one afternoon, I was home, lived in Florida, Orlando, and my mom regularly 
went to the church because she was dynamic Holy Ghost. I have said this for a long time. My mom was like a female Lester Summerall with a skirt on. When she would go on her quite often 30-day fast, and it's not like the Daniel fast where people gain weight. I'm just saying, I don't, don't make me go down that road. <clears throat> but if you're gaining weight on your fast, I, I don't have time for that conversation right now. We don't have time for that. <clears throat> My mother, when she go on the fast, it was water and lemon juice and maybe some honey. And I mean, it would be like commonly 30 days. And man, when she would come off that fast, her three boys, we knew we better walk the straight and narrow because she's got the ultimate seeing and knowing going on. <laughs> she's seeing and knowing on another level. So, man, we got it together. We know we better get it together when mom's coming off that fast. So she would regularly go and get used to casting out devils. Saw people that were fully demon-possessed. When my mother passed away, I met one of the ladies, came up. She goes, I want you to know who I am. She introduced herself. She goes, you probably don't know who I am. I said, no, I know exactly who you are. I sat next to my mom, hearing her counsel this woman for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and saw her completely 100% set free from every de demonic influence, 100%. And she was there to testify of how my mother helped walk her out of that. <clears throat> so she came home from church, and I was in the back bedroom, and I was barely breathing, and I looked purple and a shade of gray, and I looked like I was limp and just barely alive, and she reached her arms underneath me, and she lifted me up, and she brought me out to the dining room table. She laid me on the dining room table, and my father walked in, which means it was 520 because he just got home from the post office, and that's what time he got in. And he goes, what's wrong with Kevin? And my mom looked at him and says, honey, we either have to have a miracle right now or we're going to have to rush him to the hospital. <clears throat> my parents just stood there for a moment, and they just backed up for a moment. Now, see, I, just to remind you in case I haven't shared this with you, my parents, I grew up every morning hearing them pray out loud in other tongues. My bedroom was across the hall from their bedroom. They would get up, make the bed, they would go to the end of the bed, and they would kneel down together, and they would have their hands in the air. And there's tears coming down their face. And they're praying and worshiping in other tongues, and they're magnifying God, thanking God for his goodness and for his faithfulness, and they're committing their day to the Lord. And every morning of my life, that's what I saw my parents do. They knew how big God was. They didn't know half of some of the things you have learned from your man of God. But what they did know, they knew about the name. What they did know, they knew there was power in the blood. What they did know, they knew him. And they just backed up for a moment, and they looked up to heaven, and they said, God... Either there's power in the blood or there's not. Either there's power in the name or there's not. But we know there is. And they reached over and they laid their hands on me. And I tell you what, when they did, they said, we speak 
wholeness and health to your body in the name of Jesus. And right when they did that, all of a sudden, a big amount of air went into my lungs. I took this big breath and breathed out, and I have never had another asthma attack from that moment right there. <clears throat> well, you know what man's wisdom would have maybe said? Hey, you better get in the car and take him to the hospital right now. If that happened, I might still have asthma. Are you all here today? Now, I'm not saying to just always choose to do something like just apart from or doing something that's not being led by the Holy Ghost. But my parents had it. Something rose up on the inside of them that day. And it was like nothing else was, is even acceptable anymore. This has got to be the moment right here. This has got to be a moment. And you need a moment. You need to have a moment. You need to have an experience. You need to have an encounter where you see something in the word or you prove God at his word where you see and you know he came through for you that brands you and leaves a mark on your spirit that you will never deny the word of God and that you will always look to him, you will always put your trust to him, and you will not rely on man for the rest of your life. Every person has got to have that experience. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting at home with a mask on your face for the rest of your life. Not shaming anybody, but we're at a time where either you know who you are and you got that image. Jesus said, you and I are transmitters of the healing power of God. Corona cannot come through this same vessel. But the thing is, <clears throat> that doesn't belong to Christians. It belongs to believers. Mark chapter 16 says, these signs shall follow them that are Christian. They'll follow who? These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It doesn't even make sense that someone who's been authorized to lay hands on people and it transmits God's delivering and healing miracle power to people that the corona is going to come through. Can you imagine Jesus wearing a mask? Now, I'm not saying go out of here and stop wearing your mask and defile, you know, policy and, you know, turn over tables in the synagogue. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not inviting you to do And you can thank me for this later, Pastor. I'm not inviting you to act like a, you know, a lone star crazy person and just, you know, we thought about wearing our mask at the restaurant today for just a moment. We kind of like, was it three seconds? We kind of started to put it was like, well, it's like our table's right there. Isn't it weird? I don't wear a mask because I believe it does anything to me or for me. I wear a mask when it's appropriate or required because someone else is in fear. That's why I would wear a mask. It's because it's policy. Some businesses can't even stay open unless they at least present themselves as trying to participate. And aren't you thankful for business people that they're standing, they're standing up 
But it's crazy. It's just crazy out there. And the news says, well, we'll know when this is over, when you know, the, the, the virus will let us know when it's time to change. The virus is not what we're looking for to tell us when it's time to take a stand. The coronavirus is not going to, the virus is not telling me when I'm going to be in full health and walking in the divine healing power of God. <clears throat> My testimony is he has redeemed me from the curse of the law. You know, in Deuteronomy, where it lists all the curses, if you, this is under the Old Covenant, of course. Now, we're under the New Covenant. But even after the, under the Old Covenant, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, where it lists all the curses and all the disease and all the stuff that will happen if you don't do everything perfect. And then it goes on to say right towards the, the end of that chapter, it says, and anything not named here, R2, D2, what's that, RN1, 2, Corona, 19, what? what? Name it. He said, and anything that is, is going to come ahead, anything that's named, that's not listed here, I redeem you from that. Yeah. <clears throat> no, you either, you either see this, you either got that image on the inside of you, or you're going into the presence of the Lord with shame and regret because you know you're not trusting him. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 17, we're not going to turn there. I encourage you to look at Jeremiah chapter 17 and look at where it gets to, if you put your trust in man, it lists all the bad and nasty things that's going to happen to you. But then it goes right on, right after that it says, but he who puts his trust in the Lord, and then get ready because it's going to be blessing. So where's your identification? Is it in the trust of man or is it in the power of God? Turn, if you would, to Titus, the first chapter. Got to keep moving here. Are you getting something? Are you excited? You still in here? Are you energized? Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life. Now we're talking about your preach and your speaking causing demonstration or is a demonstration and is a manifestation. It's a demonstration and a manifestation. Now what I'm presenting to you tonight, here's where... You're going to have to open up your heart and mind, and we're going to see it in the Word here very clearly. Not only is your speech and your preaching, when you declare your testimony, not only when you do that, it's a demonstration and a manifestation of the power of God, but listen, it causes demonstration and manifestation. And this is why we've been hearing about faith for so long. This is going to be another angle. Open up your heart, open up your mind a little bit, and you're going to see it real clearly. We have understood some principles about confession brings possession, correct? The whole world was created by our words. It caused manifestation and demonstration when God's word is spoken. So God spoke, and he framed the word, world and you frame your world individually with the power of your word you're satisfied by the fruit of your lips and your tongue so what it says here now watch this verse three but has in due time manifested his word through preaching in hope of eternal life verse two which god who cannot lie promised before time began 
but has in due time manifested his word through preaching. So how does manifestation happen? He said in due time, God will manifest his word through preaching. Manifestation follows preaching. You ever heard this, the scripture? God confirms his word with signs following. The word says he watches over his word to perform it. Now here's where it starts getting really interesting and really cool. God has a testimony. That's why when Paul said, I don't know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. This Sunday morning, churches around the world will meet and the gospel will be preached. And souls will be saved around this globe because the blood in the name has never lost its power. Now, here's, here's what's really getting exciting is, <clears throat> maybe you didn't realize this, God is the author of whatever he has done in your life. Whatever is your testimony, whatever is the experience you had in God, it's not only your testimony. You share it co-equal with God himself because he authored it. You might have believed him for it, but what happened in your life that is now your testimony, it's his testimony. If the Bible was still being preached, your test, or, excuse me, if the Bible was still being written, it's very possible your testimony and my testimony, that healing testimony I share with you, there was a moment my parents took a stand, but it was the power of God that did it. So... My testimony is ever so, if not more so, God's testimony. That's why we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our... Because, now watch this, your testimony has continual, residual, yoke-destroying power of God ingredients in it. Now, am I getting too deep, too thick to anything? Are you all catching this? Your testimony has yoke-destroying power of God, anointing-activated ingredients in it. The same as when we preached the gospel that God sent Jesus, and he was raised from the dead for us. And the power to set people free gets released. When it's preached, it activates the anointing of the moment it happened. When you share your testimony, it activates the anointing of the moment it happened to you. Some of you have a testimony, and you can't even hardly get through your testimony without weeping. Are you just an emotional weirdo? Or is it possible that when you share it, you're there? And you see it, and you feel it, and you're encountering it again. And all of a sudden, everything that God did in you, in Christ Jesus, all of a sudden gets activated and manifests in you at that moment. When I share my testimony of my parents saying, but we believe there is power in the blood. 
How many of you felt that? What I was doing was activating. I have a friend. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, I have a friend. Amen. <laughs> Woo! I have a friend. His name's Richard Moore. His, one of his best friends is Rodney Howard Brown. He's a minister based out of his church. He's a revivalist. I was out golfing with him one day, and he had a chance to meet him in uh, one of the meetings Brother Rodney Howard Brown was having at the River Church down there in Tampa, Florida. And they were in the back room, and they got striking up a conversation, and Annie started saying, oh, you golf? Well, my husband loves to golf. You guys would have a good time getting together. You know, you guys need to meet. So we did. We played golf for a few times, and we went to this this uh, golf course, and there's a place to have a, a bite to eat before we went out to play that day. And, and I'm sitting there, and I had heard about revivals he has had. And I mean, the description of the revivals he had is what Pastor Stevens said we're coming into. He's had those. To such a degree, up in New England, for five weeks they had a revival, and it made the front page news. And, uh, I mean, people were coming from counties and around the whole state. People heard about the fire of God. And so ministers, when we get together, we like to talk shop, and we like to say, hey, uh, that, that anointing that you're operating in, when, when did that happen? What, what kind of got that going? And so I'm, I'm, we're getting ready to eat this burger, and I said, uh, Richard, I said, can you tell me about your, uh, your meetings and uh, when did all that start and what, what caused that to begin to take place? I'm just curious. And he looks at me and he goes, Kevin, I better not tell you that right now because if I do, we're going to be underneath this table. What, what did you just say? He said, if, if I share my testimony, you and I are going to be underneath this table. I said, and I just had to like, for just a moment, in my, and I don't say this arrogantly, please trust me on this. I wanted to say, dude, do you know who I am? This is not my first anointing rodeo. <laughs> you know, I think if you just talk about your testimony, see, what you don't understand, let me tell you in minister language, in code, here's what he said to me, what I heard when he said, if I tell you my testimony, we're going to be under this table. What he meant to say, what I heard very clearly was, I'm going to share my testimony with you. It's going to activate the anointing on me. And that anointing is going to hit me, and then it's not going to just come on me. It's going to get sloppy, and it's going to get on you. And when it does, you're going to roll over on your seat, and we're going to meet each other. We're going to both roll out of this booth. We're going to both be on the floor, and we're going to be looking goofy and laughing, and we're going to be looking at each other on the carpet underneath this table. That's what he was saying. Uh, I'm thinking, whoa, I, just, I, could, I, I was just processing no one's ever said that to me. I thought, this is just wild. And, and for a moment, I wanted to get a little funny with him, you know. And the Holy Ghost said, don't do it. Respect what he just said. I said, okay. I said, I, I understand. Not fully. But I said, I understand. So we went out and played golf. And as we finished, he got a text from Ronnie Howard Brown said, uh, I got to be out of the pulpit. Can you cover for me tonight? And so he, he showed me the text. And he goes, hey, I'm going to be preaching at the river. He goes, uh, this Sunday night, he goes, if, if you're not preaching this Sunday, uh, you know, I'll send you the link and you can watch a service and uh, I might sh share my testimony. I thought, okay. 
Well, Annie was on the road, I think, that weekend. I was home all by myself. She was out doing one of healing miracle meetings, and, and I was sitting there at home in the dark. And uh, I got my iPad out. I had just finished dinner. And, uh, you know, it's getting dark. And it's just me and my little mini iPad sitting at the dining room table. All of a sudden, my brother, my, my friend Richard comes out, and he starts telling a testimony. Here's his testimony. He said, uh, he's a Raymond graduate, went to Brother Hagen's college, believed he was called to the healing and miracle ministry and wasn't having any healings and miracles. He was preaching about how big God was, how God wanted to do healings and miracles, and hardly saw anything happen. And he did it for month after month, year after year, and he said, Lord, I, I can't keep doing this. You called me to the healing and miracle ministry. I can't keep preaching like this, telling people how big you are and not seeing you do anything. And he said, uh, Lord, I'll do anything. You just tell me what I need to do to have miracles, and I'll do anything you say. And the Lord said, okay. If you really mean that, he said, every time you get out of your meetings, I want you to get into every one of Brother Rodney's services, and I want you to receive what's on him. So he did. He started going on the road. As soon as he got done with his meetings, every time he got on a plane, got in his car, met Brother Rodney. They hung out some together. He was in every service, and this is work doing your own meetings, and then when you want to take a break and rest a little bit, you're going to another and traveling and all that stuff and, and being there in the meetings. And uh, he said he did it for week after week. Month went by, another month, no change, nothing happening. Week went, another month went by, more weeks, another month. For about, it was like six, seven, or eight months. And so now they're in Daytona Beach, Florida, and Brother Rodney and my friend Richard are standing on the beach looking at the ocean. And they're just enjoying the beach. And all of a sudden, Brother Rodney goes, well, i got to go up to my room and get ready for the service tonight, prepare myself. And he just left Richard standing there. Well, Richard, he, he, was, he had cried out to God. He goes, God, he was in the NASCAR. His whole family was in the NASCAR. He said, Lord, if something doesn't change, I'm going to just get out of the ministry and I'm going back in the NASCAR. But he said, the Lord said, just do this. Just do this. Just get into all of Brother Rodney's meetings. And he did it month after month. Finally, Brother Rodney went up to his room, and he got to his room, and he looked down on the beach, and he saw Richard standing there. And when he looked at him, the Lord spoke up, and Brother Rodney says, go back down there now. Tell him he's passed the test. Tell him he's passed the test. Brother Rodney gets out of his room, goes to the elevator, walks out on the beach. And now my friend Richard, he's telling this in this meeting after he got done preaching. He was preaching, and I thought this is a good word. It was about yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, times of refreshing, the power of God, just something like your pastor would preach, what I would preach. It was a good message, nothing extra or, you know, extra special, just good, good ministry. But now he's telling his testimony. This is what he wouldn't tell me at the restaurant. He goes, so Brother Rodney came up to me, walked up behind me, and he brought this usher. My friend, stand right up here. Stand right here and face the crowd. So I'm Brother Rodney, and this is my friend Richard. So Brother Richard, he's, face, he's looking at the ocean there. And Brother Rodney just walks up to him and said, you passed the test. Just like that. 
when he did that, the power of God hit this usher in a way that was amazing. I mean, the power of God just fell on him, and he just immediately got drunk and couldn't even stand, just staggered and just fell out. And brother, my friend Richard said, I need another usher. He walks to the other side of the room and goes, yeah, you, this other usher. He goes, come on up here. And he, he said, Brother Rodney walked up behind me, tapped me three times. He walks up behind this usher and taps him on the shoulder three times. You've passed the test. And when he did, I mean, the Holy Ghost hit, socked it to him. He just fell out. Brother Richard walks over to the other side. He goes, I need another usher. Now, I'm sitting there watching this in the dark on my iPad. Walks up. He pulls another usher up. He said, and Brother Rodney walks up to me behind me, and he taps me on the back. You've passed the test. And when he did, the power of God hit him so hard, it flung him, and he just started spinning and just fell out over here. He goes, I need a, uh, another usher. He walks over here. Yeah, you'll do. Come on up here. Brother Rodney walked up behind me, and he's going through ushers left and right, and I'm sitting there, and the power of my iPad went out. Never has ever happened. I'm sitting in the dark. And I'm looking at this iPad that just went black, and all I could think about us was at that table eating that burger when he says, I better not tell you my testimony because if I do, we're going to be under this table. And as I'm watching what's going on, I thought, I think we would have been under that table. (laughs) Because he passed the test. Passed the test. Are you passing the test? Would you like to see more? Would you like to encounter more? Would you like to experience the glory on a level you haven't had before? Pass your test. Could be real simple. That Lord, enough of my plans. Sometimes it's not a really big thing. Just do that. That little unforgiveness, not worth it. That's extra baggage. Where you're going. You can't take that there. It's like the metal in your pockets when you're at the airport and you're going through the TSA. <laughs> can't take that on the plane. Some of you just got some, some unusual extra baggage. You just got to pull it out and put it over there on the tray. That, you can't go through that place in God. Ah, Steve, keep from Mosulta. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Continue equipment. Anointing increasing on you. Hallelujah. Pass every test, my brother, because it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. It'll bless your marriage. Pass it. 
affect the weightiness of your words, then the things that you've always known that you now are speaking out will create and manifest things. No more holding back, for there's an open path. And you can have it if you want it. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're passing a test. Everyone say, I'm going to pass the test. This will be the best year I have ever had in my life. Say it one more time. This will be the best year I've ever had in my life. Man, I'll tell you what, you get in the river with God, you get on His plan, and you say no to all the other stuff that would try to hold you back, and you've got nothing but speed, baby. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, in Acts chapter 10, there's a man named Cornelius. Remember, we're talking about your testimony activates the anointing. What are you saying? about your finances. Your testimony. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What is your testimony? Because you are come by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. You know, the, the prophet of God can declare and decree things over you, but no one has more authority and more power of your life than what Job said, you shall decree, you shall declare a thing, and it will be established. What will get established this next year will be what you have heard, what you see, and what you say. Hallelujah. So just going a little bit, are you, can you take a little bit more? Are you, you okay? I know we've gone, we're, we're kind of camping out here a little bit. Is this, this is okay? Should we, should we build three tents and just stay here longer? I mean, we can, you know. You know, there's going to be a time when we get into revivals where you're going to long to be here. Your flesh doesn't want to be here right now for some of you. Some of you, it's like, oh, man, there's just something else. I there's something in my refrigerator that's really important. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing what, what the flesh will talk about. And, and this is a moment in God that you can never do again. We won't be here much longer, but Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, was a man, it says he was a tither, he was a giver. It says he was a giver and he was a worshiper. And God took notice. Man, don't think God doesn't see every seed and every gift you sow. My, my, my. Annie and I have purpose. You can join us with this. I encourage you to do this. You've heard the scripture. God said he loves a cheerful giver. Uh, the reason why cheerful is important is because it is an indication that you're in faith. And it's what faith does is faith activates the grace to prosper because it's not a work it's a grace and when you have joy you'll know you're in faith and if you're in faith you'll activate the grace and the grace is what's going to bring you your provision so Annie and I decided we're going to start being happiest givers we've ever been everyone say I'm going to be the happiest giver I've ever been I mean, if you're going to give, why not go ahead and get excited about it? And the thing is, if you really have revelation, there's no reason not to be extraordinarily happy about it. 
Because how many of you actually believe you can't outgive God? A man's harvest in life depends entirely upon what he sows, the Bible says. Entirely upon what, the, what he sows, that's what the word says. Amen. So Cornelius, he was a giver and he was a worshiper, and God took notice. He said, there's a man named Peter in Joppa who has word for you. See, Peter, he traveled with Jesus. He was a really good friend of Jesus, and he saw a lot of Jesus things. And so Jesus, or God wanted Cornelius to hear what happened in the ministry of Jesus. So he said, there's a man named Peter. He goes, send one of your servants to Joppa and go find this man named Peter, and he's got words for you. It's interesting that God took a man who loved to worship and was a giver and says, I got to make sure I get something really good to you. Got something really good for you. And so he sent a servant. Well, it just so happens, the same time the angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius, Peter wakes up in the, in the early morning and goes to the rooftop, and he has an open vision with this sheep, with these four-legged creatures. Without going into great detail, what the Lord said is, don't call unclean what I call clean. He said, rise and eat. And eat meat, eat whatever. But don't call unclean what I call clean. And really, the bigger picture was, then God brought revelation to Peter, that what I'm really trying to get over to you, now the Holy Spirit that you've received in that upper room, it's not, don't call the, the Gentiles unclean. He goes, now I want you to know this Holy Spirit is for everyone. And he goes, it's for the Jews, it's for the Greeks, it's for the Gentiles. Don't call unclean what I call clean. Knock, knock, knock. Someone at the door. Uh, we're sent here from uh, Caesarea. We're one of Cornelius' servants, and our master told us that, that there's a man named Peter here that you've got words for my master. Right, do you know where Peter is? He goes, I'm him, and I know I'm supposed to go with you. The next morning they get up and Peter and the servants go back to Cornelius' house. And Peter walks in the door, and Cornelius immediately bows. He falls to his knees, and it's like he takes a worship position. And Peter said, no, 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 no. He goes, there's only one person that's worthy of being worshipped and adored, and that is Jesus. And then he said, please, stand up. And so Peter begins to share his testimony. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 10, verse 42, Peter says to Cornelius, here's what Jesus told us to do. He wants us to preach and to testify. Everyone say preach and to testify. Because the one who understands activation is the one that knows that if you testify, it will bring manifestation and demonstration, like Acts chapter 4. When Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Jesus, you would think, why would someone who is the son of God, who is God, need to announce that he's anointed? It's because he's activating. He's activating. His testimony must be shared. His testimony of how God anointed him. And Peter told Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, verse 30, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. And then verse 42 said, and Jesus told us to preach and to testify. That's what he commanded us to do. I can imagine, Peter, can, can you just let me just kind of give you a little 
framing to this moment? Can I just help you see what was going on here? You know, I'm not trying to add to the word, but I think you can safely see what might have happened here where, you know, Peter's saying, so you want to know what happened in Jesus' ministry? It was the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. I mean, we saw blinded eyes open. We saw deaf ears open. There was a possessed person that threw himself in the fire on, the, on a regular basis. Man, Jesus came up to him and loved on him, and all of a sudden his senses came back, his mind was clear, and he walked and acted, and, 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 and people were just amazed on how, how totally set free he was. And I mean, there were these 10 lepers. It was the coolest thing. And actually, just one, praise the Lord, which surprised us all because, you know, there was 10 of them. And, uh, man, we saw that happen. And then there were, there were the halt. They were the main. That means there were some, actually some people that actually didn't have fingers. There were some people that didn't have a few limbs. There were some people that didn't have any toes. The halt and the main came to Jesus, and Jesus touched them. And we saw these fingers grow out. We saw some legs grow out right in front of our eyes. We saw something. It's, it's amazing what we saw in Jesus' ministry. And then right before he goes, I got something really important to you. I'm going to leave, but it's, it's going to be better for you that I leave because when I go, I'm going to send back the Holy Ghost. And what you saw me do, he goes, you're going to do also. He said, we went to this upper room there in Jerusalem, and we were all there waiting on the Lord, like the Lord said, and all of a sudden, the drapes began to blow, a mighty wind came in the room, and I mean, when that wind came in, all of a sudden, I looked over at, at James, and there's this uh, fire flame, like, kind of a thing shooting out of his head, I'm like, whoa, what is that, and all of a sudden, something just went in us, and we started praising God and speaking with other tongues, and we felt the same power, just like the days when Jesus was walking here, and I mean, we all got filled with the Holy Ghost, and when he spoke that out. He activated the anointing of the moment that happened. And right there in Acts 44, uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says, and the Holy Ghost fell. Peter, all he's doing, he's not in the synagogue. He's not in a church service. He's at Cornelius's house. He's at someone's house eating Starbucks, drinking Starbucks. He's at somebody's house testifying just like Jesus told him to. You must preach, and you have to testify. Jesus knew how to activate the anointing. Peter's talking about what happened there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost filled that room, and then for the first time didn't just fill a building, he filled people. And when he did, he spoke that out, and all of a sudden the power of God fell on Cornelius, and just fell on all those people. He fell on them. He fell on them. He fell on them. The Holy Ghost fell on them. That's what he did. He fell on them as he preached. He fell on them. <laughs> like fire shut up in their bones. He fell on them. Uh, fell on them like fire shut up in their bones. Mm, fell on them, fell on them. Testifying brought activation. just testifying. You have a testimony in your mouth. Learn to tell your testimony briefly. 
and powerfully. Brother Graham, Franklin Graham, could get on, te on television. They could preach the gospel in two and a half minutes. And people get saved. You have a testimony. But listen, friend, everything God has ever done for you, it's not just your testimony. It's his testimony. That's why when you share it, it's like the word is being preached. Now, you want to know a counterfeit to this? There's a counterfeit. A counterfeit would be when you testify about a past hurt. There's a, just like you have anointing to activate yoke-destroying power, when you share and testify about, well, you know what, I remember when somebody and that person and they took money from me and that person fired me for no reason and my family member and my this and, and uh, my wife and, and, yeah, I remember my husband and, and uh, that person did this to me and, you know, when I was a little girl, that, you know, what, what you're doing is, is just like the anointing destroys yokes, the spirit of bondage clings to you. And it's called a yoke. And it binds you. You ever, you ever notice why you start talking about one of those hurts of the past? And all of a sudden you get choked up. You get all moved. You get and it, you can almost feel the demonic power of that moment that happened seven years ago. It's almost as though you were there. You remember a conversation. Oh, yeah, I remember exactly. And you can actually quote every word of what they said to you seven years ago, 25 years ago. That's a counterfeit to what the anointing is supposed to be in your life. Wow. When we are supposed to be the church, the blood-washed, blood-bought, the overcoming ones, and we're living so many times at such a lower level because our word has kept us connected by the activating of the bondage and the burden that that once was. For just a moment, would you close your eyes? Let's just get rid of that bondage right now. What do you say? What do you say we go into the year 2021 with no baggage so that you could actually run your race faster than you have ever, ever run before? And when that burden and that bondage is removed off of you, that yoke that would try to hold you back, when that's removed here, because I, I want you to know, now look, look at me a second. Brother Hagen had numerous open visions. And, and, and uh, one of the open visions he's had, when he got and he saw Jesus for the first time, he fell on his face. He put his hands on Jesus' feet, and he put his face right on his hands on Jesus' feet. And Brother Hagin said this. He goes, Lord, I'm so unworthy to look upon your face. And you would think that Jesus might, with compassion, say, oh, I know. I, I know what you must be going through. Brother Hagin testifies, and you can read it, and I believe in visions. 
He said, stand upright on your feet. I've made you worthy by my blood. Again, people go into the presence of the Lord with shame and regret for some sin. When God's saying, listen, those are just works of the flesh. Come on out. Come on up. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Dr. Dufresne, another one. Did he ever minister here, Dr. Dufresne? Well, you know, he had a, uh, one of the open visions I remember hearing him about. When he went to the Lord, uh, he went to heaven, he said the thing that stood out to him more than anything else he experienced in heaven was this. He goes, he got there and he saw and experienced how secure everyone was in God's presence, that it exposed how insecure he was. Now, I just told you about two generals in the body of Christ who had to deal with insecurity. That's why earlier I said, go easy on yourself. Go easy on yourself. Realize we just have to get better at this you're in him, he's in you thing. Because you think, you think you're there Remember when Peter said, Lord, even if all these other guys, remember remember when I said, if if all these other guys bail on you, I won't. And and Jesus said, Peter, he didn't go, you know what, that's a great faith confession. I'm so glad you said that. Jesus told him, you're going to bail on me. And so basically, Jesus is looking at Peter going, Peter, you're not where you think you are. But there's coming a day. I'm going to use you mightily. There's coming a day where the same guy that denied he even knew Jesus to a little girl, and it was the third time he denied Jesus, when Jesus was raised from the dead and he ascended up on high, Peter now filled with the Holy Ghost, he's telling people, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. He's preaching one day and 3,000 people are getting saved. He's preaching another day, 5,000 people are getting saved. What makes a difference of someone who denied he even knew Jesus to a little girl and all of a sudden he's doing great exploits? What makes a difference? He accepted the power of God. He accepted his position in God. And now he's aware that now he's got something. Everyone say, I've got something. Close your eyes again one more time. Let's make this a grand entrance into 2000, 2021. Let's make a grand entrance. And I can't think of any better way to just say goodbye to your past. Every hurt. Every disappointment, every failure, no more looking back, no more hanging on, letting it go. Let it go. Right now in your heart, in your heart, just say, I'm letting it go once and for all. I, it, it, it means nothing to me anymore. My identity is in him. My identity, my identity is in him. And I receive and I acknowledge him, and I receive the fullness of what he said belongs to me.
Now say this out of your mouth and mix faith with it. Father God, in Jesus' name, I let go of my past. My past now has no hold on me, for I am the redeemed of the Lord. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I declare I'm free. I forgive anyone and everyone. Anyone that's wronged me, any failure in my life, any disappointments or setbacks, I let it go now. And I embrace the grace now. I fully embrace the grace, which now empowers me to walk free from sin, from entanglement, from anything that would hold me back from walking in the fullness of God. I receive my place tonight. I take my seat of authority tonight, and I acknowledge he's in me, and I am in him, and there's zero failure in my life. I forget the past, and just like when I got saved, I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Again, I declare I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And again, I declare, old things are passed away, and behold... All things, all things, come on, all things, not nine out of five, three out of five, nine out of ten, not three out of, all things, everyone say all things, are made new, now, in Jesus' name, I am walking in victory, I'm walking in the power, I'm walking with him, and I'm going to experience my victory. Now, if you believe that things have just happened for you, I want you to look at yourself in the image of him, and I want you to rejoice and be glad. Why don't you go ahead and shout like you know this next year is about to be a game changer. It's going to change your world. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your home. It's going to change your work. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. What do you do with this, Pastor? Man, I'm looking at some victorious people in this place. I'm looking at some people that are about ready to receive a new assignment now. See, there's some things you weren't ready 24 hours ago, but you're ready now. God can begin to speak to you on a, on a new level because you have ears to hear. Everyone say, I have ears to hear. God bless you tonight. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.